0: Welcome back to the Journeyman Chronicles. Welcome back to the Journeyman. Lord have mercy, I've had a busy week. Maybe one day I'll share with you certain things about this week and certain things about uh, my recording process. But anyway, good God I've had a rough week. I'm about to uh, wrap this up here recording-wise, edit it. Hopefully put it out uh, early enough in the morning. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it all Sunday night. So if you wake up Monday morning and this episode isn't uh, waiting for you, just wait a little longer. Be a little more patient. But nonetheless, like I always ask and like I always uh, ponder on, I hope you've had a good weekend. I hope you've had a good week. I hope you're looking forward to a positive, more progressive, more productive week. I mean, it is Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is around the corner here. What do you like to do for Thanksgiving? Some people like to, believe it or not, they like to keep it real simple. I, uh, I don't know. I, don't like, I like eating food. I ain't gonna lie. And I'm Puerto Rican, and I've been blessed with a wonderful family, uh, a wife and uh, a mother-in-law uh, that cook Great food and so when I'm not eating my mom's food I have my mother-in-law and my wife's food desserts my wife makes great desserts look I I I've talked about my weight before and that's that's a big part of it is just my my love for food but anyway I'm f- flying off of rails here I'm not staying on point pardon me um, but Thanksgiving yes what are we thankful for I am thankful for a lot of things but most importantly I'm thankful for the opportunity uh, to be doing something that I genuinely uh, love. I genuinely love and that I, I enjoy seeing other people um, love and enjoy. I get a lot of great feedback for the podcast. So I'm thankful. I'm thankful for a wife uh, that's a ride or die. And she's putting up with my bouncing around different projects and ideas. And that takes a lot of patience. I can only imagine what it's like being married to somebody like me. Um, but no, seriously, I am um, very grateful, grateful for my children and uh, how they inspire me in their own way. I'm a lucky guy. My dad of four, married to a wonderful woman. I was raised by a great mother, and I have great sisters. Um, you know, I learned a lot from my parents, from my mom, and my dad. And a lot of that now, my forties, I'm starting to realize it, it comes back and it helps you, and it's in its own way here and there. So Thanksgiving is here. I am thankful. I know come Turkey Day I, I work. You know the shift that I work. I work Thanksgiving morning. But anyway, um, this episode, uh, man, I'm I'm really 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 excited because I got to. Uh, link back up with an old good friend of mine, uh, the Reverend Shana Watson. I uh, hope she laughs when she hears that because she doesn't uh, really want me to refer to her as that, but out of respect, because I'm all about respect, I need to make sure that you all understand. Yes, the Reverend Shana Watson. Shana's a good friend of mine uh, for a long time now, and it was good to catch up with her because it had been a long time. Um, but uh, she's just always been a pleasant person and to catch up and find out what she's been doing with the church and how uh, her and the church get involved with the community. I say how not lightly. There's so many different ways uh, that they get involved and Shana shares that and breaks it down. It's really enlightening to hear. So I hope you enjoy this episode because um, she's going to share that. She's also going to share You know, her um, theology and pop culture, um, fanatical life, I guess you could say that. She's just a huge fan, and it's great to hear that and that energy from her. So I had a blast with this interview. It was great. It was fun, and I hope you enjoy it um, as well. So let's just get this started. Here we go. The Reverend Shana Watson, Journeyman Chronicles, Episode 12 okay, so i know that you're you're heavily involved in the church before we get started do i address you as Shayna? is it reverend shana is that is that legit How <laughs> we you... go
1: way too far back for you to keep giving me any type <laughs> That's of title how it's be. okay
0: i just want to make sure okay i just want to make sure i, okay? I, make sure. <laughs> I don't want to be disrespectful
1: <laughs> I, I normally make people kiss my ring no oh totally there, we <laughs> there we go there we go there we go Oh, uh, but some folks refer to me as reverend or mother, <laughs> but please just call me Shana. <laughs> Thanks tell me, for asking.
0: tell me about uh, how you uh, got into what you're doing now, because I'm sure you started going to church as a young child. I mean, that was was that involved in your life at a, at sure, a young age?
1: Yeah, um, I grew up in the church um, in what we have now grown to call the black church tradition in America. I grew mm-hmm. up on Church of God in Christ and I loved attending that's where a lot of my family members were, my friends were, um, so I enjoyed those services. It was a time of fellowship and a time of spiritual movement. Mm. And I guess in so many ways, looking back, I always kind of had this like strange inclination for things beyond what we can see right in front of us. Like I would always hear, and I'm sure you probably heard, you know, when your aunts are in the kitchen talking about yeah, that prayer, the spirit moved last night, right. was some type of movement. So there is this cultural aspect that undergirded the religious aspect. Mm. There was something within the black community and in most communities of color that we brought with us in terms of that strong belief, that blind faith that's beyond what we could possibly imagine. So uh, it, church was that place of, Uh, for collective mourning and grieving and also a time for celebration so when one person was going through we all felt that weight when some when one person was celebrating we all felt happy for them so Mm -hmm. it was my earliest uh, experiences of empathy Mm. and understanding and leaning into the phenomenon you know the supernatural and and this god that we couldn't see Mm. so um, I was quite fascinated with church and, and all of the activities earlier on in my
0: life. So. Let me just get this mic just a little yeah. closer to you. I'm sorry. I don't want you to be uncomfortable. So Do I need to? Okay. Nope, you're good. You were thinking like that at a young
1: age. Absolutely. You were
0: already thinking on levels.
1: I guess so. And again, looking, I can only say that now looking back. Sure. But when I was younger, it just seemed like such a um normal aspect of of life uh in terms of what my family was talking about in terms of what we would talk about in the community watching sci-fi whether it's Star Trek or in, back in the day I grew up watching Buck Rogers so you know we had all of these what is now uh has a genre of sci-fi fantasy there's all these subgenres now before it was just sci-fi um but there was always this aspect of of belief and um, and you know the sky is the limit. Well, what does that mean? And obviously, if sky is the limit or the universe is the limit, then you have to be able to see beyond the reality that you've been given. So, if you're looking outside on the street and you live in some of the rougher areas, and someone's telling you you have to, you know, dream big. You can be anything you want to be. You have to believe in yourself beyond what is right in front of you mm. so it wasn't far far reaching for me to believe in god or to believe in aspects of the of the spirit um dreams i used to dream a lot and i would hear about other people dreaming and yeah. like oh that was a premonition <laughs> you know like like how many ghosts were in that dream Three. Yeah, oh, then you right. must be pregnant you know right, there's right. always something right. like symbolic about you know these visions and dreaming so i was always fascinated about that and i think at the time, I just kind of maybe thought I was a little strange or weird. And I still think that, but I own that. I totally claim it. Well,
0: that's that's good. I mean, I think I'm weird. My wife still loves me. And my, my kids think I'm weird. But I'm hoping when I get older, you know, they'll look at me and be like, Dad, you know, you're not that bad. Yeah, you'll be <laughs> so cool. <laughs> Tell me about how do you think about dreams? Do you uh, do you read into them? Are you the type of person that reads into your dreams or, or what? For sure. Yeah? No, absolutely.
1: Yeah? I, I haven't really taken the time to appreciate my dreams lately i mean my sleep has been so restless probably similar to others during pandemic but i take i do take dreams seriously and yes sometimes i do think it's something um in our subconscious that's being made manifest like if we're stressed about something and all these other uh dream aspects like this is really a symbol of what's happening in your waking life and I also believe that there are things spiritually at work while we are sleeping that, you know, we might not have a clear human words or understanding to really comprehend at the time. Yeah. But then as days pass, time passes, you look back like, oh.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, and I do think that some things come to an understanding, you know, uh, in in time, Uh and part of my spiritual journey at that age, I was, and you, I don't know if you remember this, you probably don't, but I was 12 going on 13. And I share this story a lot, but a lot of my spiritual journey and again, not knowing it at the time led to priesthood was when my father died. I was 12 mm, yeah.
2: going we on 13.
1: We were at Wheatland. Yeah. And that like shattered my world. You know, you have this. This formula that you live by, you go to church every day, you pray, you know, you you show kindness and generosity and then everything will be all right. Well, you know, unfortunately, with his death, it kind of shattered that. And it's like, well, what's next? What what happens? Um, so it it forced me into viewing the world and God even in a different way. I was angry with God, mm. angry with the church. I felt lied to and betrayed. Sure um so there were all of these emotions at that young age uh late ado- or growing adolescence um that i had to wrestle with and i really be- believe that that was a catalyst in in leading me toward the priesthood
0: hmm. you brought up your dad is was he involved in the church when you were young mm-hmm. As, is like so did you continue it then after he passed is that where you started where you're at now when you're not
1: so much um i fell out with god like me me and god we were like boom boom pum, pum. um <laughs> <laughs> <I like that. laughs> so in my family i mean there are ministers and folks who are are devout and regular attendance okay um but at the time uh there was just a whole lot surrounding um again just i think there was a a part of the bible that said it's it's not my it's not my doubt that i need help with but it's my disbelief Mm. like you know you can doubt and still return Mm. to belief and keep it moving but when you stop believing it's just like there's nothing right. right so it was my disbelief at that time and i went on to college to um to study political science and African studies, actually went for Latin and law. Wow! And um, it was a whole long story. Poor advisement. Children, pay attention to a good college advisor when you go to college. You got poor advisement. You got
0: poor advisement for
1: what? <laughs> I did. I did. On your you're um, but-
0: major or what? Yeah,
1: on my major. Wow. I was so upset because I went there for one thing. He was just like, oh, we don't have it available. And it wasn't discovered until my junior year gotcha. that it was available, but it was under a different name.
0: So uh, um, so three years in.
1: Three years in. And I had already had enough credits for what I already had. And so I just spent my last year overseas. Um, mm. But, yeah, so I didn't really have that aspiration because women weren't ordained at the time so i didn't but women still have roles in the church that were quite prominent you can teach you can be an evangelist so there were all of these role models in a way but just women weren't allowed to be ordained so i didn't have that example gotcha gotcha so it wasn't until in later years in recent years that um that someone had invited me to discern ministry Mm -hmm. in the episcopal episcopal church where I then became ordained.
0: Where were you when when you were ordained? Like, in life, is was there a time because you were upset with God? I'm assuming you that that's yeah. A you
1: God and I, we did this dance. Yeah.
0: So I think a lot of people have done that dance,
1: right? We do this dance. I've done that dance. You did the dance.
0: <laughs> Sometimes I find myself maybe shadow dancing, but <laughs> I know where I'm at. I guess I think that's the whole doubt and disbelief situation that Absolutely. you were just alluding to.
1: For sure. And sometimes you're doing the kid and play, right? And yeah. sometimes you're, you know, doing the cha-cha slide and other times you're doing the <laughs> tango. Like, you know, it's very intimate and you're yeah. just, yeah. and other times you're just like chair dancing. <laughs> <with> high- <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I guess I'm, I'm making a super long story short, but just to highlight a few points in between. No, nah, no, nah, go ahead.
0: Don't worry about it. Oh. Go for it. <laughs> Take your time. Well, thank no you, rush. Felix. This is,
1: I feel like this is like a therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. I'm on the couch. I'm on the couch with Felix, y'all.
0: The, the journeyman on the couch.
1: <laughs> journeyman on the couch. <laughs> on the couch. <laughs> I love it. Um, so it, during that time um, of, again, feeling all the feels after my father's death. And um, coming to learn more about just churches in general, Um, I consider myself to be an ally to the LGBTQ plus community. And I understand that that practice isn't as prominent in a lot of our um, churches of color. And, you know, there's a whole history of that and I get it. Um, And so there were like families who had been excommunicated and things or or Mm. sat down that i took offense to but i didn't understand you know what that meant biblically what that meant uh about me and what is that saying about the church as a whole in terms of really being an inclusive and warm and welcoming place and saying that you're christian but yet you're excluding and being hostile toward Mm -hmm. a certain people and so i didn't understand how that worked like how can you be christian and tell people that they're not welcome like i I don't know like i still have a difficult time um with that and that is that includes any aspect of life whether it's gender diversity um ethnicity race abilities like i'm like we're the church aren't we supposed to be a and refuge for all people so i was also grappling with that in the wake of my father's loss Mm. so during college um I would go to some church services, but not a lot. Okay. And um, I explored other aspects of worship and beliefs. So I went on a semester at sea study abroad program. I don't know if you remember oh. semester at sea um, no. programs. It was featured on, it was like real world. It was like a popular show on MTV once. And they oh. did um, a real world world rules or whatever it was. So yeah. I went on a okay. semester at sea movement and I got to like it was literally like traveling the world in 80 days wow. so I visited uh, Japan and China and Vietnam and Malaysia and India wow. twice Kenya wow. South Africa Brazil oh my favorite and Cuba <laughs> was our last port of call and I heard Am Fidel speak and wow. then we ported in ported in Florida and in each of those countries, I saw how um, how the indigenous movements embrace God, whether mm. it was one God or a pantheon of gods, but either way, it brought them meaning and comfort. And so I'm like, why is Christianity like, why are we yeah, so violent right. and exclusive? Everyone else is so willing to embrace us, right. but we're just like, no.
0: It's so inspiring to just see other yes. other cultures. How they uh, interact with their God, and it's it's a beautiful thing to just be able to experience that. Um, I know that you know. um, Yeah. I don't have that like experience, and it's I don't know. It's it's an eye opening thing. I grew (laughs) up and I went to church. I grew up Catholic, so Mm. I I understand you know that that confusion and that wanting not wanting to be terrified. (laughs) Literally, why why are you scaring me into a belief? You know, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No,
1: but that's perfectly said. And I feel guilty about even questioning it, but. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Right, right.
1: Oh my gosh, but it's so true. I mean, Catholicism, you you brought up a really uh, excellent example that I remember. I remember being in Brazil and in Cuba and how um, they gave a little bit of the history about how slavery manifested itself in all those spaces so I was able to look at Yoruba and Condomble and how the marriage between some of the indigenous African or traditional African religions were easily enmeshed with Catholicism, with the saints, um, because there was already belief before Christianity came. You right. know, it wasn't like, like you know, we're, we're going here to civilize the heathens. Like, nah, <laughs> God <laughs> existed here before folks yeah. got here. So, um, so it was just a fantastic learning about myself, who I was as a black woman, a black woman living in post-colonial America, mm-hmm. and what what it meant to be a Christian in this context as well. Because I remember remember when X came out. Yep, it was like a big deal, and we were walking around with like, with the metal plates. <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs>
1: we were like i remember that it wasn't awakening like we're just like yeah you know and you know and i remember being challenged on all sides like how can you be black and christian mm. so you know it's like all of that like shaped and formed me because i wanted to know like yeah well right. how can i be black and christian and hold these beliefs and be who i am because it was identified as the religion of the oppressor um mm. so what it Anytime I was challenged or faced crisis, rather than running away from it or being consumed by anger and just um, giving up on it, I wanted to go deeper. I wanted to find out more. And, um, you know, some things I was willing to embrace. Other things still remain open as a mystery. But um, Mm. so all of that just continued me on my journey. Like, again... Even though I'll call myself being quote unquote mad at God and like, I'm done with the church, I'm still <laughs> leaning in deeper. Right. But I'm just finding God in other places. Gotcha. In other faces. I totally didn't mean to rhyme, but I just.
0: Yeah, think it's now. That I like was that.
1: Um, <laughs> you're welcome. Do a little sound check.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Having little
1: ciphers right here in the Journeyman <laughs> show. <hey. laughs> but. Um, but it, it's true. Here I'm, I'm thinking that you know I'm I'm moving away from, but I'm going in deeper. God was like, "Oh, okay. You thought you were only taught about me in one way, but here I'm showing up in all of these other ways. And it's not just called Christianity. You know, my I'm known by many names, and you're going to find me in many places. So, um, so I'm learning to see the face of God in all people and in all things in creation." And uh, I find that there's a place for that in the Episcopal Church where there's a celebration of Jesus, of God, of all of these ways that people are able to um, cope and find mystery and um, seek out understanding. So I became a chaplain after dispatching for the state police.
2: <laughs> okay so I
1: graduated from the University of Pittsburgh, moved to Maryland dispatched for the Maryland State Police in Annapolis it was that was probably one of my favorite jobs. Yeah, sounds fun. <laughs> it was really cool. Um, my barrack was right across the street from the Navy Naval Academy and um you know working for law enforcement was eye-opening and needed so that I could I mean it wasn't my goal to, let me learn more about law, law enforcement. It wasn't right. that at all. It was like, oh, okay, they pay pretty decent. Let me try <laughs> yeah, right. Right, right. Um, but it was eye-opening in many ways. Uh, and it was, a, once again, a predominantly white space. And, and yet, to be able to uh, gain an understanding, make really great friends, to be able to teach and learn at the same time um, about law enforcement, especially in the wake of so many movements and uprisings that were happening. Um, but that was all the way in like two thousand seven, two thousand nine. It was before the George Floyds and the mm-hmm. um, and some of the other cases that came up. So it, it was hard seeing a lot of the Facebook posts from some of my old friends. Right. <laughs> some right. who were able to say like that was that was bad policing, others yeah. who were just like, Well, you know, it's hard up for us and you know.
0: Yeah.
1: So I it kind of faced that little a backlash and i feel like i'm just like going from no one story no to no another. no you're like, fine da, 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 da. no i
0: love it i love it look i i totally get it it's uh i think the past six years have been tough and it's drawn family against each other because you start to see people for how mm. they really think and it's it, it it's hard it, it puts things into perspective um so talk to me now about what happens after school talk to me about mm-hmm. graduation
1: mm-hmm. so semester at sea ended i graduated on the atlantic ocean wow. <laughs> i'm like yeah um so well, yeah you
0: know, whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> i'm new to this so are you like what like has this work are you on the cruise ship getting your diploma is this on the beach like looking at the sunset like- it,
1: it was it's it's on a ship wow so um, that was the first time I was ever on a ship or a cruise line. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So there were like set, um, classrooms and different seminar rooms set up. So that's where we would study in between port cities. Oh, okay. And so just before we would port, they would that particular city or country would have an ambassador on board our ship. So they would give us a summary of customs. Uh, we would do a crash course on language so that we can learn basic language and so that we can navigate the country and and know how to gesture ourselves. Like, there's some things that we take for granted here in the U.S. that we have to be mindful of our body language and the things we say when we go to other places, like something as simple as throwing up the peace sign. Again, during that time, it might have been in Brazil, I don't remember, but you're supposed to put your... um, peace sign fingers together together right, right? yeah there's yeah. a part, it's like supposed to be derogatory or gesture to about a body a derogatory um wow a gesture about a body part um or like the way we tell people to come here like sometimes we'll just like wave our hands like to come on with our palms facing upwards but in other some other asian countries are supposed to be, put your palm down because a palm up is how you would beckon to an animal wow so they're just like again this is 2002 Right. Um, and it might have just been geographical in certain places, but these were just general things that we would just be um, taught before we ported. And um, so it was always fascinating. Um, the Archbishop Desmond Tutu came on board when we ported in South Africa. And so he is just this incredible force, this dynamic energy. And so that was really powerful to have gone to different countries in Africa for the first time and to be in the motherland. I was like, yeah, we are right. <laughs> right, right. And then I get there and then <laughs> some of my Kenyan brothers and sisters, they were like, so explain how black people are American. I'm like, Oh Lord, have you heard of 16, 19? <laughs> so there was like, <laughs> there was like this break in communication wow. about how That's we crazy. all existed. And um, so, yeah, so it was quite a fascinating journey. One that, I do think sometimes, or at least at times, I over-romanticized as to how it would be. And then there's that, like, reality check. Sure. Yeah. I think everybody does that. Right? (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do that. (laughs) Yeah. So there was a span of time between semester at sea or when I graduated, because that was my last semester in college. So 2002, I was done with Pitt. And so as the ship was sailing across the Atlantic Mm -hmm. Ocean, that's... They had a, a little ceremony for us. So
0: that's <laughs> that's so cool. That is so and, cool.
1: So, that's kind of cool. Um, so between 2002 and 2011, 2011 was when I first started doing chapters.
0: Oh, wow. So, so that's a huge gap.
1: hmm A big gap. So, you know, you're fed the the rhetoric. You go to college, mm-hmm. graduate from college, and you'll come out and you'll make like a million
0: dollars. Oh, yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, sure. <laughs>
2: again with these formulas like do this this and this and i'm like i'm doing
1: it but i'm like you know hustling trying to make twenty four thousand at the time you know i'm I'm working like three jobs i have to get a car so um not what
0: you thought you were going to be making when you got out of college
1: i'm like where's my million dollars yeah you know but i have a million dollars in in student loan debt there you go (laughs) (laughs) that's where the money is a million (laughs) dollars that's where they get you. It's like the genie wish, you know? Like, you got to be careful yeah, with your yeah. ask for because there's always a cost. <laughs>
0: <Sorry>. <laughs> Life. <laughs> Reality is
1: so hard. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, I ended up just working, like, doing, like, nonprofit work and, like, customer service stuff. So, but I loved all my, all my jobs. Always met a lot of great people. And I always... Was that choose. back in Lancaster? That was back in Lancaster. So, after Pitt... Um, you know, University of Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, so after Pitt, I came back to Lancaster. So I was here for a few years, again, just, you know, hustling between jobs and customer service and just trying to live. Uh, and then I re- one of my roommates who I lived with uh, during college, I reached out and said, hey, you know, I'm moving back down home to Baltimore. Why don't you come stay? I'm like, okay, cool. So I started looking for jobs in Baltimore. So I landed a job at the United Way for a little while before going to um, the state police. Mm-hmm. so the commute was whew. yeah it was it was yeah. challenging yeah, it commuting tough. to downtown Baltimore. I know that sure. people will probably listen to this like yeah, you haven't lived in New York. I have not lived in New York <laughs> <laughs>
0: I can only imagine
1: it was harsh. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Taking the tram in town and walking down these so many blocks, and God forbid if it, you know, if it's delayed or derailed, you know, for whatever reason, right, you know, you're right, you're kind of like stuck. So, um, so that was a little difficult, but I was willing to hang in there. But I started exploring other options. Okay, so that's when I, and it was obviously it was difficult to park i had a vehicle at the time but trying to find parking and if you did it was in a garage and you're spending like 50 bucks a day wow. so it was just the cost uh didn't quantify it as, as well yeah
0: so well if you had that million dollars you would have been able to i take know right school, without any problem
1: exactly but i did have the million dollars right yeah I, yeah I, I yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah i guess Some we keep telling ourselves that, that right
1: <laughs> yeah so Um, so it was just difficult with transportation and um, I learned a lot about the United Way and all of its charitable kindness and uh, I learned also the how the sausage was made you know you learn the beautiful parts and not so good parts Um, right so but at that time I wanted something different something a little more so I actually considered a job in law enforcement and I also Mm. went back to my my military like I wanted to be in the marines because there was really there was this commercial that was out about it and it was like you can make your body into a weapon and of course i watched (laughs) way too many chuck norris movies yeah yeah (laughs) 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 well i think we all did okay (laughs) chuck norris could be in anything (laughs) honestly I should have put out a disclaimer. You're going to get all sorts of pop culture quotes and references during this entire interview, during this entire conversation, because that's what 80s babies do. We really do. Um, we had the best era mm-hmm. of movies. Everyone. We did.
0: We did. They were dope. Uh, getting back to your title, do people have to referred to you as reverend Shayna or is um, it mother or is it something else
1: yes like if you okay so technically if you are um introducing me or announcing me it is the reverend Shayna watson so okay that the it
0: reverend Shayna watson yes but oh, there's a v i like yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> fair enough cool
1: but um if you're just addressing me directly it would just be Sh- the, um reverend Shayna watson um, or mother, which is the equivalent to Father. We in the Episcopal Church is kind of considered Anglo-catholic or Catholic light. So a lot of the titling uh, similar to Catholicism, Father, um, as well as utilizing the word priest. So when we're ordained we are made priests. we enter into the Holy order of priests. okay and um, so and it's interesting. I mean we we observe all of the, um sacraments well two sacraments the other pieces are sacramental so there's baptism uh, the emphasis on baptism and communion and then the sacramental pieces are like your confession the unction where some people I think depending on which generation you're in they they would call it the last rites but now we call it the administration um, of the sick um so marriage ordination or just in reconciliation of the penitent, which is similar to confession. So
0: there's a lot of similarities though between the Episcopal and Catholic churches in a way, but there's also yeah. a vast difference it seems with how you accept the community. I mean, you're very open uh, with the. Oh, my daughter's gonna kill me right <laughs> now. L G. I don't mean, let me say this right. I always mess this we up. L- L-G-B-T-Q-I-A. B- B- T- I- a. Plus. Okay, okay, that's what it was. <laughs> my daughter just got me hip to that. Okay. As soon as just... I learned it, I'm like, why are you changing it? <laughs> my daughter got me hip to the plus. Uh, and uh, my wife and I are learning about pronouns. We're trying. It's it's uh, You know, when realizing it's like uh, we're the older generation now looking at things from our point of view. <laughs> and now it's like, now I'm going to sound like old people. I'll be seventy-five and completely out of touch. <laughs> I I think though what you're doing is so cool that you're accepting the community in all aspects. And where where are you right now? Are you are you bouncing around or are you at Saint James? Is it called Saint James?
1: Yeah, it's called Saint James and the Urban Well. It's,
0: oh, it is. It's, oh, okay, it's
1: all the same. It's all under the umbrella of Saint James, which has. Something like an Abbey Minster model of sorts, where it's like this all-encompassing church that runs different programs and services and things like that. It's a place where people can come for contemplation, for example, even during COVID and uh, everything that occurred with George Floyd. And that's kind of my point of reference, because that's when I started at St. James here in Lancaster. I've been back in Lancaster now for about a year and a half. Prior to that, I was in Harrisburg at our cultural Okay. So um, we opened up our doors to the chapel. Um, we offered community prayers. There are different retreat programs where people can just come for healing. We host facilitators that talk about diversity and worship. And sometimes, if you just need to get away from it all and just sit and light a candle and just be with some incense, yeah, all the bells and smells.
2: Nice. Um,
1: yeah, you can just come to st james which is located right across from city hall so it's right downtown we get a lot of frequent flyers of people who experience homelessness so we're able to support them and work with local nonprofit agencies like we are involved in a lot of work in the community we don't really air it out in the newspaper or like post it you know like yeah we just you know it's kind of like as my mom used to always say you don't get a reward for doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right, right, know? yeah. So you don't get a reward for getting that A. Right. I worked so hard for it. <laughs> you're supposed to get good.
0: It yeah, it's like that Chris Rock video. <laughs> like, what do you want a cookie? Exactly. <laughs> you're supposed to take care of your kids. <laughs> but you're right, you're right. Sort of like the uh, people that walk up to homeless people with cameras recording their good yeah. deeds. It's like, just do it. Yeah. Don't do it for the clout. Don't it do it for it. right. It, it does. Like, what are we doing? Right. Right. Um, so, what what intrigues me is uh, while we're talking, I'm learning that you're as a church, you are offering the community your services in all aspects. So, you're also talking about real life situations and issues that are happening right now. Uh, you brought up George uh, Floyd and other cases similar to that. When you have uh, a community that can be divided in uh, relations such as that, how do you, as a church, go about planning and involving that mm-hmm. in your services and mm-hmm. in your uh, in your mass? I guess
1: absolutely. And we talk about it in different ways. I mean, we yeah. Just, it's the pulpit. I have learned is a sacred desk Mm. it is a holy responsibility and because it bears a lot of weight on on how we care for the souls of people who come in it's so important to be mindful of how we approach these conversations so it might not always sound like you know talking about white people and black people in the history in our country, sometimes it will sound like, well, how do you love yourself and how do you love your neighbor? Mm. You know? So there are ways right. that you can gracefully invite people into introspection because it has to begin with the self. I don't care what color you are. you got to start with you. And then how do you touch or not touch your family, your friends, your neighbors? in ways that are healthy or unhealthy. Um, how self-aware are we in terms of, of economics, uh, how we provide, how we give to others, our feelings of sense of entitlement, um, self-preservation? How do we respond during times of trauma and crisis? And from my understanding, the basic primal response is fight, flight, or freeze. And where are we in that? Especially if we are challenged on racist or supremacist notions, you know, like a lot of times people want to put their, you know, put their guards up like, I'm not a race, you know. Yeah. So those conversations, obviously, I mean, you only have a little bit of time in the pulpit. How do you utilize that space to teach or to prophesy, if you will, um, about the good news or what is going on in the world and that might not necessarily be the best time to introduce a very new topic to someone who might be just returning for the first time right. and you know they just lost their parents to COVID, mm. and you're sitting there you know so yeah really yeah. reading the room being mindful of what's happening happening in the news in the world in our communities and i know for saint james right now it's just a heavy season we had a lot of parishioners lose parents lose siblings um, lose children mm. over the past year not all of them COVID related you know so um we have we run an NA group on Tuesdays and Thursdays so we're, we have pulse on the addiction and recovery community all through COVID we had our doors open sure because for them it was like no you know there's there are other things more important than COVID that that are taking our lives and we need to pay attention to addiction and overdosing and So we open our doors to um, an NA group to meet. Great. And we hope to deepen that by hosting um, addiction and recovery retreats. We're calling it the 11th step because the 11th step is the part about um, uh, spirituality and Mm self-care. I mean, all of it has some type of spiritual connotation, right? You're always supposed to acknowledge a, a power higher than yourself. And for some, it was alcohol. Okay. And so and but what does that look like now on a healthy side of things? So it's about relationship. And so um, so those are a lot of the things that we're talking about. We're talking about self-care physically, mentally, spiritually. We talk about um, racism, heterosexism, uh, uh, cancer. We talk about um, couples who struggle with fertility. I mean, you name a topic. And we have covered it somehow, but you only have fifty-two Sundays. Yep. So you kind of you kind of <laughs> focus on like broader themes. So you know it, when the Catholic scandal happened, uh, when a lot of things were coming out about priests who had uh, had mistreated and abused their position of power over young children. Um, we we named it and mm. that's the thing like i feel like the church has hidden so many things or try to protect people from and yeah. i use air quotes around that because we think we're doing a service and we're really not mm. you know not talking about sexuality in terms of a healthy way like being comfortable in your bodies and what does it what does consent look like and sound like and how is god calling us to be better human beings in terms of taking care of each other because um, I remember having conversations with my little brothers from the time they were growing up. I'm like, look, just because you are stimulated, it does not mean it's consent. If you did not say yes, and if they did not ask us, <laughs> and if they threaten to kill your family, I don't care. They're not going to kill us. So, you know, you have to. Give... <laughs> so there's like this whole thing. And, and that's part of even in our youth ministry, we converse about. I mean, it might not necessarily be as graphic or as vulgar as, you know, in my family, in my household, um, but rather I do share with them, make sure you're talking about consent. And and if there's a power dynamic and if you feel fearful and um, if it makes you feel uncomfortable, go to someone you trust. So at least offering that platform of outlet, like talk to someone, let someone know, and most of the time it's just fear of consequences, fear of ramification. So when hashtag me too came out, people would complain like, why did they wait 20 years to confess? Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, that's a tough one
0: because right? it's like, um, you know, on one hand, as a father of three girls, one who's uh, 19 years old, my oldest, you become very protective and defensive and you know how men are. But then on the other hand, you're like, you know, men have been accused of things and so there's this there's this dynamic and this tug of war um you know uh, and yeah we can sit here mm-hmm. we can say it's yeah. about money but why does that have to be our first immediate response and that's what bothers me it's just a shame because mm-hmm. i tell you right now if if my daughter were to tell me about something that happened mm-hmm. 20 years ago yeah. you're gonna be ready to well, go yeah i'm not gonna sit there and go yeah. why'd you wait 20 years to tell me Right. If anything I want to know like was there anything that I did to make you feel like you couldn't have told me any time sooner? Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? That is a lot to to manage and especially for women in this day and age. I mean, I guess in any day and age we're talking about a man's world for so long now. Yeah. How does the church handle something like that? I mean, you're talking about uh women that are scared to say things. And you're trying to provide a service where they can be free to speak. How do you like, how do you manage something like that?
1: Sure thing. Um, that is an excellent question. I was not at St. James when hashtag me Too first came out. Okay. Um, but I was still working in the church and as a chaplain. When, sure. when It was popularized because technically, you know, me too has been around before me too was a thing. Right. Exactly. And, um, The funny thing about the Bible and with most sacred texts, whether it's the Quran or the Torah or Tanakh, I always say that, you know, before pop culture was the Bible, you know, were these sacred texts. And there is literally nothing new under the sun. So in the Gospels, there's a story about a man who would just lay beside a river and he needed to be healed. But then every now and again, it was like once a year, the angel, as the story reads in the gospel, will come and trouble the waters. And when the water was troubled, that was the time when you entered into the water to get a healing. And for whatever reason, this person who laid beside the water never went in. And then finally, Jesus comes along and says, you know, go on in. And the point of the story was that, well, He was never invited or people would walk over him or they would pass by him. Hashtag me too is just that people have been passed by or their voices have been silenced or maybe they saw other women or men even stand up for themselves and get fired or be shut down. So if I see that happening to other people, then I'm going to be silent too. Right. Until there is like a mass, a, a massive number of people coming forward. That would give me more confidence to tell my story and to be believed. And I think sometimes we are socialized to um, distrust um, or discredit someone who is either poor or a person of color or of a different gender. And I think historically, we just, you know, we si- it gets to the point where we just end up silencing ourselves. People don't even need to silence you anymore. We'll just shut up on our own. So, yeah, so that's why, I mean, not exactly why. I'm sure there are multiple factors, but I mean, there are stories that we can share that um, that we can compare some of these realities, these current events, to in order for people to understand. And um, I believe, and I, I presented at Lancaster Mennonite recently, and we were talking about pop culture because I do a lot of stuff with TheoCon, where theology meets pop culture. Yeah. And, um, and I just talked about the power of storytelling. Like sometimes we can see ourselves better when it's not so close to home. And I always use the story about how the prophet Nathan was talking to King David about himself. And when he gave King David this example, King Dave, he, he asked him, he said, well, King David, what would you do to this man in the story? And King David was like, oh, he needs to be killed. He needs to be locked up. And then Prophet Nathan says, oh, well, that man in the story is you. And then Dave was like, oh, 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 that, that was me in that story. Okay. There's something about removing a situation from oneself and presenting it. Right, right, right. And and I feel like, and that's part of the reason why I enjoy popular culture so much, whether it's in music, movies, video games. It, it has a way of telling the story. And as we're sitting back, you know, when we all saw – saw um what's cameron's name he did avatar with the blue people
0: james cameron
1: james cameron that's right we're all watching avatar we're like
0: yeah we know like the more. sequels are getting ready to come out What? <laughs> <laughs> i didn't mean to get you excited sorry
1: so you know you know we can sit there and watch these movies and or read stories a wrinkle in time but we see ourselves in these characters we see ourselves we see certain groups of people we're like We all know that's the black folks. You know, we're sitting there like, "Mm -hmm." everyone else is like, no, he's talking about the poor versus the rich. I'm like, we all see ourselves so differently. Right. And um, so that's part of the way, or to me, one of the most impactful mediums that the church has. And that's the power of storytelling and and connecting it, um, both the challenges and the pieces that affirm and validate in church.
0: You had brought up um, Theocon, which um, I'm glad um, yeah uh, what kind of like are you into comic books like are you, do you consider yourself like a comic book head or are you I'm a lazy comic book head? that's
1: fair I like comic book adapted <laughs> 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 so this is a confession I'm showing my vulnerability now there you go there you go <laughs> a, there I you am go. a fan I love the artistry have I kept up with comic books over the years no I, I've been so lazy I even watched um Neil Gaiman's um Good Omens on Amazon Prime. Oh, I mean, I'm so I horrible.
0: Some- <laughs> I don't even know what that is. So <laughs> so so you have you have now did you create Theocon? Yeah. Talk to me about what <laughs> what sparked this idea of pulp culture meets theology because I never would have thought of anything like that.
1: Um so I w- I will credit others who when I was doing the research for the name and um, the creation that apparently there are other nerdy groups around such similar to mine. Yeah. So I want to like stake the claim on like, yeah, I did this, but I can't. Gotcha. But, gotcha. but with Theocon um, and part of, and I really appreciate how we came to this point in terms of your framing and in looking at my background and different milestones in my life. And um, a, a lot of it had to do with my upbringing, with with my father, with my father's death. Some of the things that we grew up grew up on before he had died, the dreams, the kind of like the the fantastic, like all of these pieces, um, and my experiences with church. So it was part of a. I'm trying to remember. I was a member of the NAACP at the time. This was like maybe 2014, 2015. And um, we were thinking of events and fundraisers to do. And I was trying to get us to think more creatively and innovatively about the events that we were doing. You know, not your typical lecture and everyone sitting down and listening or your banquet. So I wanted to partner with our local Fulton Opera House to explore different composers of color mm. so that we can see ourselves in classic. music classical music um I also wanted to and we did eventually collaborate with Barnes and Noble and I did a panel there and there were several of us there were a couple of it? oh man what is his name now I want to say his first name is Joe I can't remember his last name he owned the comic book store by the train station yes oh it's been so long there was Todd Spidel from the Lancaster newspaper and also a graphic artist there were a couple of other folks who served on the panel, just to kind of speak to the location, a really good friend of mine, Chris Eden, and I. the The title of the panel was called From Blackface to Black Panther, the Evolution of How People of Color Were Depicted in Arts and Entertainment from eighteen from 1830s to the present. Great. So I picked up from Blackface Minstrelsy in America, and then how... Um, people of color have been depicted throughout history how it evolved because during that time Black Panther was supposed to be released in 2016 but then it ended up not being released until like 2018 so I mean we really we walk through time and the secular influences on arts and entertainment and even its influence now and how insidious it has become in and how we see one another because of the negative reinforcements throughout time you know the whole birth of a nation and if you didn't have tvs or radios and you see this show coming to town you're going to think like oh all dark-skinned people must look like this or act like that right right, right. and it was like a caricature of these groups of people that they would observe and you know enter all of these other groups and it, it was quite fantastic so Fast forwarding from that 2015 panel, I think later later that fall, I proposed it to New York Comic Con and we were accepted. So we presented at New York Comic Con as well. Wow! It was outstanding. The yeah. Book was packed and people were engaged and leaning in like yeah i remember those tom and jerry cartoons (laughs) so you know we were talking about everything (laughs) you know we were talking about disney and fantasia and how you know one of the black fawns was depicted as like this stereotypical piccaninny yeah flats and and then she was shunned by the other fawns who were white and blonde And all of these things, you know, we're growing up on these cartoons. And when you're a kid, like, you don't really know, right? Right. But subconsciously, like, you're picking up on the cues, like, oh, well, obviously dark is bad because they're shunning her. This is good. And this is what goodness looks like. Right. So, again, highlighting those key pieces, being aware of how media portrays um, various communities, how they portray hair and speech and, um and garments what we wear because remember tom and jerry you never saw the humans you only saw the bottom half yes and the black woman would always be in like slippers right. and the an apron yeah. <laughs> and the white woman would come in with dainty heels and um so again uh just looking at all of those uh cartoons and uh comic books because superman wasn't always super you know especially around the time of war and a lot of those comic book heroes were utilized in american propaganda so there were you know derogatory messages toward asian people and and you know and it's interesting because again going back to floyd and even um kind of the backlash against our asian brothers and sisters people were just so shocked like like what is happening to america we're going backwards i'm like no it never left right always here right (laughs) <laughs> it was just a triggered event so so um I, I'm, I appreciate that these conversations are coming up because it is a reminder though unpleasant that there's still work to do and i believe that a lot of things have just kind of been covered or swept under the rug or you know that was so long ago we're now this new people until somebody dies um it's almost <laughs> like people now- get
0: com- uncomfortable talking yes. about these things and then and i get it but at the same time it's like we can't mm-hmm. pretend that we live in a world where none of this is happening mm-hmm. and people just want to not they want to not talk about it because that's the way to a, not address it is to not talk about it so it doesn't exist um but there's times where i'm just like you know uh you're you're forcing me to go in the prayer and i i i don't pray that often and i should but it's pretty bad that's when, when you it. know it's serious right, right. You got to pray, like, god, that's that's god. what i'm doing it's like look i gotta i gotta pray i gotta <laughs> pray for you because oh my god <laughs>
1: <laughs> it must be bad. this is
0: where we are folks <laughs> <laughs> so see con still is that still is that every year or what
1: it, it was. Um, but just between community obligations, um, personal and professional obligations, it was just a lot sure. to carry. So we, we had three really great years. Our third year, because we would do a convention at the end of um, each year, like in September, October, and we would host different like panels throughout the year. And our last year was, of course, during COVID. And we we did, like, a virtual convention, which was a whole lot of fun. We talked about Dungeons & Dragons, role-playing games, and and the cartoon. And one of, I think one of my favorite, I mean, they were all spectacular. I loved all of the panels. And so (laughs) one of the ones that we had a lot of fun with was talking about uh, zombies. And there was another one. It was called Holy Horror. We did that in the month of October. Really, and we talked about um, the theology of horror movies. Well, that
0: sounds interesting.
1: It was it was pretty cool, and of course, we got into the the different subgenres. And it was the first time I ever really I knew what it was, but didn't have a, a term for it. But we talked about cultural horror movies. What's that? Which we see in
0: us. Oh, them, okay. Us, yeah. You know, like all these us them, <laughs> right, um, right, right, Some right, of these right.
1: other uh movies that are coming out now where where the horror is a, a, a lived experience. Yeah. You know? Um so I thought that was fantastic. Of course, Lovecraft Country where they um integrate uh science fiction, fantasy like into lived-out realities and the the Tulsa massacre has come up repeatedly as an undercurrent theme, as a time period setting, things like that. Um, so what was I just talking about? You just oh, got me all nerdy. I'm, I'm like, sorry. And then.
0: We were just talking about Theocon.
1: Theocon. Culture whore. Yes. Yes. So Theocon right <laughs> now. <laughs> See what happens? I get on my nerdy rant. It's all good. But but that's how all, all of who I am and every aspect of my journey led to theocon because of i believe that the church and conversations about god and having a deep and meaningful experience uh that there's a space for all of that like it doesn't have to be such a solemn occasion every sunday morning you're coming in right you know and you leave unchanged right i believe in having transformational um, experiences and, and and transactions and interactions, and there was a Pew research study that said the a, a attendance at church and in other holy places are declining, but there's not a decline in people finding or desiring meaningful experiences. Ah, so people are meeting in coffee shops, right? In their homes, and for some communities who have been mistreated or abused by the church or holy spaces you know, they're finding other ways to worship. And so I was like, well, what
2: about Theo? Coming? Yeah,
0: right. You know,
1: people, everyone goes to the movies. Everyone goes to the bookstore. I'm like, mm, there has to be something in that spectrum of, of storytelling and sharing because people are still coming together. Why do people come together? Because we enjoy each other's company. Why do we enjoy each other's company? Because you're telling me a story about your day. Or how your week was. And I'm sharing a little bit about me. Or cracking some type of joke. Like these are the things that bring people together. So through the use of popular culture. And inviting people into those space, I, I was hoping to provide not a replacement. But rather um, a supplement of sorts. Sure. Um, uh, something to compliment um, people on their journey. So we've had some really great panelists. We talked about everything from Stephen King and black tokenism. <laughs> we talked about um, uh, graphic medicine where people can utilize uh, artistry and comic book illustrations as a form of therapy and healing. We had one gentleman, and forgive me for not saying their names because I cannot remember everyone off the top, but he was – he used a book, I think it was called Priya Shakti, or is the name of the character, but it focused on um, the pantheon of of deities in, um, in Hinduism. But what he did was, and I get goosebumps every time I think about it, but during the time when some of the women were being, getting acid on their faces, like what he did was he depicted some of them in his graphic novels in his comic book okay and um it was it was the first time that they've ever seen kind of like an image of themselves and they just thought they looked so beautiful so i mean like people are really doing some fantastic creative things with um with popular culture of course of course music and video games have on to a whole new level with video games now you have like these different multiplayer games which we did not have but yeah so theocon is 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 just that space to explore the intersection of faith and fiction of um the sacred and the secular so
0: do you find yourself maybe wanting to continue it sometime or you think that's it for now or what do you i mean what are you thinking
1: it's, it's still around Right now I'm resting. My, my team is resting because I did not pull the ship by myself. You know, there were other people who were with me along the way and they were from other denominations, some, you know, no denomination at all. And everyone was just like fantastic. with giving different ideas. Um, we would start off our event with some type of opening ceremony. So we worked with music for everyone. Uh, with michael is it germanis he works with this uh a small group of uh, it's like a string ensemble in lancaster and it's like all like black and latin sweet Asian and some white it's like this beautiful um rainbow of hues of children like they're like middle school high school and um he was like well what do you want us to do and i said can you guys play some like, I don't know, pop music soundtracks while I have the movie showing in the background? So, um they did I think it was was it the theme to end game?
0: Oh, really? It, it
1: was like, yo, it was so dope.
0: Oh man. Um, they, that sounds good. It I was love so that the soundtrack good. is beautiful.
1: So they did part of Star Wars. I think they might have did something from Star Trek. Like they did all these really great, like popular um pop culture movies and films and i think we end it with maybe wizard of Oz or something fun and whimsical um so they did like somewhere over the rainbow while you know it was showing in the background it was like so cool so again just thinking about ways to integrate it so that it's not just a talking head talking at you but rather it's a multi-sensory experience experience like you're seeing it you're hearing it um, we have lunch together, so people are getting fed. Wow. throughout Wow, that's and, so cool! Yeah, so just just good time. So Theocon will show up probably in different ways, um, moving forward, hoping to revamp meeting in person because it really is, and the group agreed it really is an in-person experiential event. But now I think we're even more so aware of accessibility issues where. You know, as before, it was just kind of like, oh, we can hybrid some parts, but not all. But now I'm recognizing, okay, well, if there are people who cannot leave their homes for whatever reason who are interested, we want them to be able to access it, too. So it would just be a matter of having the funding. And, you know, so that's a whole. Oh my
0: (laughs) Well, maybe uh, sometime in the future, you never know, you can get it back and rolling again. Thank you so much. Uh, for joining me, Shana, it's been so long. I've known so you good. since what Buchanan now?
1: Oh my gosh, yeah, elementary school, fifth grade. Well,
0: it's not Buchanan anymore. It's, yeah, um, it's like now—is it the Dr. Vita Smith
1: later? Yeah, I believe
0: yeah. so. Yeah, it's been a long time. Thank you. Thank you so Thank you much for, for being here. I uh, just like that episode twelve was a wrap. The Reverend Shayna Watson. Reverend Shayna Watson. Shayna Watson, my friend. Thank you so much for sharing your journey. Um, you know, graduating on a cruise liner at sea. That's dope. How she is involved with her community and how her church, the Episcopal Church. Ah, I didn't mess it up. The Episcopal Church. How they are accepting and loving, how she embraces everybody, and um, how she's not afraid to really dig deep and talk about the issues that are affecting everybody, all of us. Um, That's awesome. I hope you enjoyed it once again. Please enjoy your day. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your holiday. Happy Thanksgiving. Surround yourself with loved ones. Tell some stories that make each other laugh. And um, be thankful, because this life isn't promised forever. I love you guys. Thank you for following me. I'm grateful for you. Remember to maintain focus and stay continuous through all four seasons. My name is Felix C. Arroyo. These are the Journeyman Chronicles.